Welcome everybody to Take Up Space, this podcast. I am your host, Coach Marlena Bayless. I'm here today with Vanessa Williams, who is a marketer in the tech industry. She's worked at companies including Google, Meta, aka Facebook, which I still can't wrap my mind around, (laughs) Um, that the name changed, and Square, and a variety of different teams and projects. After leaving Google in 2020, she went to a startup. Unfortunately, during the pandemic, um, she was laid off. But that actually didn't stop Vanessa. She built her own in-depth strategy to get a new job during the peak of the pandemic. And she decided to start career coaching to help other people build a strategic approach to their job hunt. She focuses on helping Black women and other traditionally marginalized communities through her program called Lean On Coaching. So welcome, Vanessa. Thank you for being here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You know, as you just read, you know, I'm really focused on helping Black women, especially, and other, you know, marginalized groups succeed. So coming to your space, which I know is really focused on these communities as well, is super exciting. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Love finding other powerful Black women that are helping um, our communities. So it's awesome. Uh, Today we're talking about revamping your checklist and this is a subject that um, Vanessa actually shared with me and I thought it would be so vital to the group um, and everybody that's listening. And so Vanessa, just tell us a little bit about what led you to revamp your checklist and how have you done so? Yeah, for sure. So it's been it's been a long journey to this point. You know, um, I worked mm. at Google it was my first job out of college and I was there for five and a half years. And for those basically those whole five and a half years, didn't ever really have to think about making career shifts. You know, maybe I moved from mm. this project to that project, but overall it was still under kind of the umbrella, the protective umbrella of, you know, Google and the culture was overwhelmingly the same and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until 2019 that I first had to really create any sort of job checklist. And the way I approached it was like pretty, I would say pragmatically. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I want to work at a company of this size, you know, this many employees. I, you know, I was looking primarily at startups, you know, so I was like, okay, I want them to have raised, you know, venture capital from these top 10 VC firms. I want, Mm -hmm. you know, I do marketing and I specifically have been focusing on product marketing, which is, you know, a subset. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I want to be one of the, you know, a a product marketing team of five people or less. It was very tactical, very pragmatic. And it was, you know, very much like, you know, it was very easy to you know, be able to, to either say this company is a potential yes, or this one is a no, because if they had more employees or they had less, or there were more, too many people on the team and they didn't have the VC firms behind them, it was easy to just discount them that way. Mm. Um, but more recently, and we could definitely talk more about like how this actually came to be, but more recently I decided, yeah, to just kind of, not to say throw away the checklist. It's like, there is a checklist, but Mm -hmm. the checklist is completely different. I mean, for the most part, it's not super tactical. I mean, there might be like certain industries that I'm interested in, but even that comes from me doing introspection around like, what is actually gonna make me happy? You know, I think the Mm. first one, um, I made a lot of assumptions. I was like, okay, if I have uh, a company with this many employees, 200 or less, I think was the number that I had, I assume that that meant that I would feel a lot of ownership. You know, it's a small company, mm. it's scrappy. I'm going to own a lot. I'm going to be a leader, you know? And then what I kind of do now is I say, okay, instead of me stopping at that first level, you know, 
I go mm-hmm. that level deeper. Okay, I, what I really wanted was to be a leader. So what mm. I actually need to put on my checklist is I'm looking for an opportunity where I can show leadership. And then of course you need mm. to figure out what leadership means to you and all of that. But that's kind of how I, for the most part, have you know started to shift it. So less focusing on, okay, I'm gonna look for this many employees or I'm going to look for teams of this size, but really thinking about what's gonna make me happy. Okay, I wanna feel like a leader. Okay, I want to, feel a sense of inclusion. I want to feel like a lot of it leans into feelings. Um, so anyway, mm. I'll pause there. There's so much I could dive into, but that's just kind of like the first thing that I, you know, oftentimes recommend to, to folks that I'm talking to is they're starting a job search. Wow. That's um, really insightful. I love that you said, you know, you had to get a, a more introspective in order to even redefine and redesign what your checklist um, yeah. contained. Um, because that that typical uh, um, need to be tactical and like to attack it and to just be like, okay, well, this is, this strategy is important, but it, what I'm hearing you say is it can't necessarily facilitate how we feel and our choices and decisions and options. And so being able to know what resonates with you is going to lead to more fulfilling success versus just trying to get to something that looks successful. And I think that that is really, really true. Um, So I'd love to learn more about learning. I I wrote down when you said this, learning, you know, learning with your feelings, which Mm -hmm. is something I feel like, especially um, driven professional black women, um, we we get taught to not be in our feelings a lot, um, especially in the workspace. How have you adjusted to leaning into your feelings for direction. Yeah, it's very interesting. And I know I was even talking to um, a former coworker of mine a few days ago about our own like respective job searches. And one thing that she said that was really interesting is that, you know, she noticed that like job searching and all this stuff really has a lot of masculine energy behind it. You know, a lot of mm. masculine behavior, write the list, do the thing, do, 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 mm. which is more like a masculine way of living life. And of course, everyone has, a, you know, both masculine and, and feminine energy in them. It's not really based on your, your gender. It's just based on the energies that you have. But a lot of things, and we hear this a lot, even when it comes to like, mm-hmm. what's valued in the workplace? What is valued in mm-hmm. the workplace? Being assertive, being a, you know, a boss, right. this, you know, it's not necessarily being the person who listens, who feels, who, you know, has empathy. Mm. And those types of things are more feminine energy. So she and I were talking about this and she was like, yeah, like it's something I think she's working on kind of launching some sort of project. She's going to give me all the details yet. So I can't like, uh, you know, <laughs> call her out maybe, you know, when, when she finally gets it off the ground, but she's you know, talking about how she wants to figure out a way to bring some of that feminine energy, that intuition, that feeling back mm. into, I think specifically, I think she's focused on the job search process. Cause once again, it's a lot of it leans into make the list reach out to a hundred people every day, you know, apply to a hundred mm. jobs every day, you know, don't stop, don't sleep. Don't, you know, it's, it's all about doing right. what you're doing. And there's never that right. moment of reflection, that moment of feeling, even, you know, even when you get rejected, a lot of it's like dust yourself off and go again versus like, no, right. sit in those fields. It sucks to get rejected. Sit in it, it does. understand <laughs> it, you know, right. um, or maybe, you know, the way you reward, you reward yourself for just like, I tell people I coach, like reward yourself for just 
making it through. You know, it's not even just mm. about the win. Can you, you know, as soon as you finish interviewing, whether or not you get the job or not, just to reward mm -hmm. yourself for doing the interview, can you like order in from your favorite place or go out to dinner or pop a bottle of champagne if you, you know, have one nearby? Like just to, you know, reward yourself for surviving this like grueling process. So for me, a lot of it is, yeah, trying to lean more into your feels because ultimately, you know, and this is something I've also learned after like, you know, it's been about almost three years of really like, you know, uh, a gradual transformation in the way that I approached my career. That one thing mm. I learned is that, you know, and this even goes back to my initial checklist. A lot of the stuff that I had on there was like, okay, I want to have these VC firms. I want to be even like the industries that I was looking at. A lot of it was because I, wanted to be quote unquote successful you know if i have you know if i work at a company that's been invested in by this vc mm -hmm. firm or if i'm in these top hot industries or even you know moving into marketing roles where i collaborate more closely with engineers because in the tech industry engineers are at the top you know so i was like okay i need to do yep. things that are quote unquote successful but then mm -hmm. ultimately you know and this is once again why another thing that led me to wanting to focus more on my own feelings was that it didn't necessarily bring me any sort of happiness or you know personal feelings of success i had people reaching out to me all the time so my my you know after leaving google i kind of got into the fintech industry you know mm -hmm. and, you know financial technology companies square and, and now i'm at like meta's fintech group and i have people reach out to me and they're like oh my gosh you're in fintech you're a fintech boss queen or you know yes. all this stuff they'll say trying to flatter you fintech fintech i want to get into it and i'm like <laughs> sometimes i'm like you know i like you know i don't ever say this to them because i'm like everyone has right. their own journey i can't force everyone to have their journey but i'll be like i wonder why they really want to get into fintech or mm. why they want to be you know i'm like they come to me and be like i want to be in product marketing because like i said product marketers relative to some other marketers work with like engineers or product managers and some of these you know positions mm -hmm. that in tech are very highly valued ones and they're mm -hmm. like hey, to get into product marketing and sometimes i wonder is it because they actually feel like product marketing will make them happy or just because the industry mm -hmm. tells them that that's the the peak you know or the better thing to do and yeah I, right. i've just had some so many instances where i got the thing and you know this is kind of what we chatted about in the past where it was like i got everything on the checklist it was like have the vc firms it was in the the hot industry it was whatever and then i got there and i was like this isn't bringing me any personal fulfillment you know it's like there's only so much you can rely on people in the industry looking up to you or calling you out as a fintech boss babe or whatever they like to say for you know <laughs> it's only so much they can do in the end you still have to do the work in the end you mm -hmm. still have to you know, uh, I don't know, wake up every morning and, and log on for the day. And, you know, what's going to make you log on? I don't know. Everyone's different. Some people getting that pat on the back maybe will make them be excited. But at least for me personally, it was like getting patted on the back is not going to make me more or less likely to want to log in for the, you know, on a Monday morning. What's going to make me want to log in is whether or not I actually feel excited, whether or not I feel happy. And that's mm -hmm. why I was like, I got to lean more into the feels. And of course, this only goes so far. You know, a lot of us you know, do we have to survive? You know, we do like want to make right. money and like survive. So obviously, there's some things where you have to get logical. It's like, hey, so there are people who want to break into the tech industry because it's like a more highly paid industry and they want to create generational wealth, and that's totally fine. But even that is a, a you could look at it as it has something to do with the feeling because you know, right. I want to feel. Does. Yeah, I want to feel like I'm creating a legacy. I want to feel like mm -hmm. I'm, you know, so it still has to do something with feelings. It's like even some of those things that you feel like, no, this is straight tactical. It's like if you really said, you know, there's an exercise that I think they do. It's like in, in, in you know, in uh, 
user experience research as well as product mm-hmm. management, there's this exercise they do where it's the five whys. You know, it's usually mm-hmm. used to like figure out why right. a, a customer or a user, like what they need and really drill into their core need versus starting at the, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, I don't know. If when they were creating Uber, there's probably so many things they could have built in order to help make transportation cheaper, but they decided that, you know, they wanted to make it the way that they did. Well, they probably did some level of really diving deep and not just stopping at the first level. They probably like, okay, people find transportation inconvenient in big cities. Why? Well, because it's very expensive, you know, and they probably Mm -hmm. did that, you know, I mean, that probably was a lot more research than that, but that's at least a a starting point. So even when I say, okay, I want to get paid a certain amount. I ask myself why and I'm like okay well it's because I Mm. want to be able to travel why you know well because travel brings me happiness and joy and freedom I don't know you know so I kind of dive into Mm. even those tactical things so that's something that even people I coach I've asked them to do as well like look at your checklist and then ask yourself why for every single thing and try to do it at least five times it's kind of hard but at least do it three times let's say And then you kind of actually understand the core reasoning behind that thing on your list. And you can focus on that thing instead of the surface level one that you maybe started with. That is so rich because what I know to be true is um, a lot of women, um, a lot of black women, especially um, in my clients as well, that I coach, I've seen, and I've been, I've been in the same position is looking successful to other people, but not feeling your success and feeling frustrated with the disconnect because there are people, like in your case, knocking at your door and (laughs) saying at different points in time in your career, being like, oh, I need to be doing this. You must be doing amazing. And making um, connections to job titles, and happiness that may not exist. And it sounds like you really um, done some some work around externalizing what you're giving meaning to and why. And so that is super helpful, I, I believe, to people because we've been taught and conditioned to see success at its own, um, put it up on its own pedestal and the metrics of success um, have been really the narrative for success has been very specific as to how you how you um, attract um, how you get access to success and when you get there and it's, it don't add up for you because you never checked really with yourself yeah. <laughs> about what you valued and what you cared about and what feelings are attached to um, certain um, things that you hold dear then that's where you find yourself being someone um frustrated I remember um I had a leader that when I left a job uh and I was saying I was pursuing you know I was building my business and the first response wasn't anything about my job or the team not needing like what is that what were they going to do or they'd be sad to see me go the first response of this leader was I always wanted to design clothes I always wanted to be a fashion designer and it shocked me because I was like, I didn't even ask the question, you know, but from me simply declaring that I was taking a stand for the thing that I wanted, it prompted this person to share what they truly wanted um, in their life. And so um, it just brought that memory 
to mind. And I, you said so many really good things. Um, I love the five why exercise. So I'm sure people will love that. Be able to, uh, if they have not heard of that, um, but learning with feelings, but just taking moments of reflection. What was the catalyst for you um, for that moment of reflection? Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll go back. This is like going back almost like three years now. So yeah, I left, wow. um, I talked about leaving Google um, and creating mm -hmm. really my first ever like real checklist for a job. You know, like mm -hmm. I said, it was very tactical. And then I got, you know, my first job outside of Google. I was, you know, excited about it. I was like, yes, I've, you know, we call them the golden handcuffs. And, you know, yep. a lot of people, a lot of people actually, you know, discourage me. You can imagine family, coworkers. It's funny, like when you're at a place like Google, or maybe this is every company, I don't know. I haven't worked at too, too many. But when you're yeah. at a place like Google, you know, even when you tell coworkers and friends of yours who are other Googlers and say, hey, I'm thinking about leaving Google, their first reaction is always to like try to help you find another job at the company. They're always like, oh, but this team's hiring, this team's hiring. You know, people are like, what? You right. So it was hard. So that was even one moment where I kind of had to, that was even the first moment I kind of had to detach from people's you know, idea of, of success. Um, and I had to be like, you know, Ooh, no, I really want to do this. Um, because yeah, logic and like, quote, it's like, you know, number one place in the world to work and all these things that like, that was even the first, you know, exercise I had to take. Um, but you know, that was a lot of it was just, yeah, I, I had to know, you have to know yourself, do the self-reflection. We talked about this a little bit already and figure out mm -hmm. what matters to you. So that was, that was the first, the first part. But then I wouldn't say that I was perfect. You know, I did enough self-reflection <laughs> to decide that it was good for me to leave Google. But like I said, I still did the very mechanical checklist. This many employees, mm -hmm. this size, uh, you know, marketing team, whatever, this VC, you know, investors, whatever. And I got the job that checked all those, those checkboxes and, you know, mm -hmm. excited about it, went to that job. And I went there and I wouldn't, I don't know how exactly how long, I mean, maybe, it, you know, the, this was January, 2020. So we all know what's about to happen, right? You hear anything mm -hmm. related to 2020 and we know that it's not going to be a happy ending. So yeah, I got right. there and, you know, maybe about, yeah, two months in the pandemic hit and things started kind of going downhill. You know, the team mm. had, you know, decided in order to like, I guess, save money, like shut down one of the product lines. And so now there were just like a bunch of people on the team that were, you know, more than we probably needed for the remaining product lines that, you know, that existed still. Right. So I could tell something was off. Um, even in one of our like all company meetings, hopefully this isn't me sharing too much, but our um, CEO started crying and I was just like, mm. something's going on here. I mean, it wasn't, he didn't say I'm sad, you know, he was crying, you know, for, he didn't say that it was because of the company, but I could tell this guy's under stress if he's in the all company mm. meeting crying, even though he's not saying it's because of the company. This is a little bit, you know, uh, worrisome. So I remember talking mm -hmm. to people and being like, I think, you know, with everything going on, the team's kind of in disarray. The CEO straight up crying in the all company meeting. I just, you know, and like, I just hadn't been able to really get into a groove with the team yet. I was like, right. I think it's, I think I should leave. And everyone was like, no, mm -hmm. no, you got to do this. Give me all the tactics. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to, you know, no, mm -hmm. no, no, you just, it's a middle, you know, the pandemic was just starting. We're in this weird pandemic thing. And, you know, all the reasons, all the very logical, you know, none of their stuff was wrong, but you know, all the very logical reasons, but you know, they weren't in my shoes in the same way. Once again, going back to Google, it's like no one else is in your shoes. You're the only person who knows your yourself. And the reason right. I kind of realized that was, yeah, it was like one, one evening I was like taking a shower 
listening to a podcast and it's this podcast uh called i'm pretty sure it was the balanced black girl podcast i should have looked it up before. Mm. and um the it's like a wellness podcast i kind of you know got into the wellness space you know back in you know maybe 2018 or 2019 or so so this is one of my wellness podcasts and they had a guest on there her name is uh, sharin eskandani and she runs a life coaching business called wholehearted coaching and she was on there as a guest and she was talking about intuition and it was kind of i think the first time i'd ever really heard anyone talk about it in that way you know i mean i i guess i was familiar with the concept at a high level like following your gut <laughs> and all of that but she talked about it in a way like once again like i was just saying like you have to like you're the only one who knows yourself she even talked about like yeah creating the checklist and how she's like sometimes don't, don't create the checklist you know or don't create the pros and cons list sometimes we have decisions right. that we're trying to make and we make a pros and cons list and we you know keep finding ourselves i don't know let's say we you know we don't realize it consciously but subconsciously we don't want to do it or whatever so we find that our you know we start adding stuff to our cons list in order to like make it more logical that we don't do it rather than just being mm. like, wait, I don't know, I, you know, we find ourselves being like, wait, the list is, if I, when you actually just made the list, it actually made it, the logical choice was to do it, but you find yourself, you know, kind of editing your list in order to, you know, and then you're like, Avoid I, I really, I really mm -hmm. know what I want, but I'm just trying to find justification. I'm trying to, you know, get rid of guilt. I'm trying to, you know, Pre mm. prepare just in case people start coming for me for this decision and you do all right. this stuff to kind of basically cloud your actual gut feeling your personal knowledge your intuition and you know I was literally like you know what I'm quitting my job she's right I know what I want to do I'm feeling that this is not working out and I'm yeah. going to start looking and you know at that point I was only three months in and I had been at Google for five and a half years it was the first you know I was like oh my gosh how can I go from five and a half years somewhere to only three months but whatever right. I know I know what I got to do and um funnily enough the next morning I log in and you know maybe about an hour into my day they laid me off and I was wow. like oh shoot <laughs> so I was right you know all the people all just stick it out oh he's uh -huh. probably just stressed for other reasons don't think about it just da -da 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 -da. And I was right. I knew something was off. I knew this wasn't going to work out. I knew it wasn't for me. And ultimately it worked mm. out because I got severance versus me quitting. So I'm not going to say that I wish I quit per se, but I would have been, I could have started looking for other jobs and then it would have been, you know, mm -hmm. I could have gotten a head start sooner, but it was nice. I did get severance, but it was one of those moments where I was like, literally last night I decided to quit. And then the next morning I got laid off. So I wow. knew something was up. My intuition knew it. And I should have listened to it. So then I ended up signing up for um, wholehearted coaching because like it was once again, just one of those moments where I was like, this person spoke to me the right thing at the exact right mm -hmm. time. I need to right. you know, think about and like take this seriously and ended up signing up for her coaching program. So I was laid off, you know, I had no job. And I mean, it's not as there's way more expensive coaching programs. So we all know coaching is not cheap. And, you know, right. you know logically, if you're laid off, you should people will be like, get a career coach. But I got a life coach and all mm. a lot of this stuff that I've learned since then around thinking about feelings and, you know, asking myself why I really want to, you know, why I really want something and all this stuff about leaning intuition, intuition. And a lot of this stuff kind of came either from her course directly or from things that I got introduced for, to by just kind of entering that, that life coachy space and other people I've discovered and other conversations I've been a part of. So I would say, yeah. you know, it is, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's all money. It's easier said than done to be like, get a life coach. But I do yeah. think that there is a portion of the job search that really is not just career, mm -hmm. it's life. And you need to, you know, even if it's just following some people on 
Instagram or listening to right. some podcast. Like, yeah, learning how to, you know, um, trick or not to say trick, but get past the ATS software with your resume uh-huh. and all of that is important. But you also right, have right, to right. learn yourself, you know? So anyway, yeah. No, that's really good because learning yourself, one, as a coach, I know that that to be so true yeah. because a lot of times we're not lacking the skills. We're lacking self-awareness. Yeah. And and so that is really what our self-confidence, you know, maybe to do something different and new, to trust our intuition sooner, to, um, to, to go against the grain. Yeah. Those are the elements in which, you know, really getting coached help you to expand on your possibilities and to 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 lean on you know your strengths and yeah. what it is that you can really do um and also not to be held by other people's standards or perspectives because as you expand your own self-awareness you know if other people haven't done that work that they're relying on some of the same old strategies or thought patterns you did and so and, and that's more um sometimes it can be very fear-based thinking or it yeah. can be very strategic thinking and only strategically thinking and not including the person and the uniqueness of every individual right so people are going to tell you what they think is best because of maybe they value legacy and like we talked about before um building up a certain nest egg and that's like their number one thing right now in their life but that gps or that destination is going to change when life changes and i think that's something that you're speaking to is that when our life when we grow and we expand and we just we change you have to also align that with what you're valuing in your checklist and your checklist can be literal as we've discussed but it could also be um um something subconsciously that you have going on so whether it's people reaching out to you and, and just idolizing the companies you've worked for or even like you said your colleagues mm-hmm. and yourself in the past you know really holding a high standard to to these um workplaces knowing that the biggest place you can um elevate yourself and you can feel, feel fulfilled in is within you first and then everything else is extra and so and then it'll align itself as you as you move forward because external success that feels empty it's almost the worst oh it's it's almost worse um in my opinion than um you know because it like nobody why feel bad for you? Yeah, like it's harder to get over because no one's gonna be like, "Oh, you're a you know, senior yeah. vice president. I'm gonna help you." It's like, no, you, you know, so you can't, you can't hey, complain. You, you got it all, you know. Right. So it's harder to get yourself out of that. And I think even yes. hearing you talk about that former boss of yours, it's like I think mm-hmm. it's also empowering. You need to surround yourself with people who, um, if you can, Good you know, point. whether it's listening to them, following them, who go against the grain because it it frees you. It seems like you telling your boss mm. that you were going to do that made it created a safe space for your boss to say something. And I know one thing that I did a year ago with, I think mm. this intention in mind, or I don't know if it was just something that happened without me intending it is I went to Playa del Carmen in Mexico um, to do like a wellness retreat with this like black women um, wellness practitioner. Her name's Jasmine Ariel. And I went mm-hmm. there and, you know, I work in tech, you know, at the time I was just getting started at my role at Facebook and people I went down there and met, like some of them were like literally like writers who were writing their first novel while they au pair for a family down in Mexico or they were wow. you know, being a private chef or they were there just like, like I said, the woman that I was there with was like 
a wellness practitioner who used to live and work in Atlanta, but decided to do something different. And it was freeing for me. I was like, you know, when sometimes, and I know tech can be a bubble and I can imagine other industries can be a bubble where tech feels like it's tech or bust. You know, it's like, what? You're even people who like mm. go work at, I don't know, at Target or something. It's like, you worked at Target, you know, even like, you know, or like right. you know, other big corporate entities, even Absolutely. those aren't even valued in this industry. It's like, if you're not in tech and if you're not in, I don't know, product management in tech or you're not an engineer, like it gets very like specific as to what is quote unquote valuable in this industry. So going down mm. there and just meeting people who were not doing any of that and just being like, wow, so much more is possible than I remember. Obviously at some point in my life, I knew that, but then mm. you get into these bubbles, you get into this pathway. And then I kind of forgot that like other things are possible beyond like what you know what people say in the tech industry it's about yeah do you work at these top six companies are you getting this pay or it's just very like narrow set of uh identifiers for success and sometimes you just need to like open your mind a little bit surround yourself with people who have different definitions just to remind you that you can you can define it differently and you can and should define it for yourself so yeah and then it just gives you that that freedom so i always try to be that for people around me if I can just to be like hey like your dreams do do what you got to do do it it's great you know I try not to ever put anyone down for thinking beyond what the average person thinks about I know we literally had um Mae Jemison you know the black female astronaut we had like an international women's day event yeah we had an international women's day event at work and she talked about that like don't let your own imagination be limited by others you know she was as far right as far as I remember I wrote a paper about her back in like elementary school so I used to wow. have a poster of her on my like you That's know so, cool. my so yeah it was like uh as far as I remember she was the first black female astronaut in space someone feel free yeah, to correct me if I'm I wrong. believe so uh yeah. so yeah I was like you know so it's like yeah technically no one there was no one you know no one could have imagined it because it literally had never happened before so she was you know just wow. reminded us don't let anyone else's imagination limit yours um, and I think that's just so impo- like so important to remember, especially once you get into these corporate spaces and it's the corporate ladder and everyone's shooting mm. for the same things. And sometimes you're like, sometimes I take a step back and I'm like, we're all sitting here like so concerned about this thing we're working on. Is this really important? Um, and so right. I have to remind myself that maybe to some people it actually is. I don't want to always think that my way is the right way. And they, these are all like Good point. sheep following. Mm-hmm. Like they actually might be happy with this. And you have to remember also that just because it makes someone else happy doesn't mean it has to make you happy. So right. that's also it too. Like I try not to also be like, oh, everyone must not find this important. I'm like, no, they might actually. I don't. That's all that really matters. I don't find it important. And I need to focus on what I feel um, first and foremost. So, yeah. Wow. So that was a really awesome answer in that um, I I love what you said about how if you are exposing yourself to people with different definitions of success, it is frees you um, because it's so true. It made me, as you were speaking, I'm listening. I was like, you know, it really reminded me, um, my best friend is an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and um, before I ever pursued entrepreneurship and I was very linear in my focus as well in terms of what success looked like. You had to play by these, um, you know, just, just you got to meet these certain steps and you got to get here and very accurate before I even pursued my, um, you know, certification in coaching or any, any along those lines, it was that friendship that started to open my mind to the possibility that there was other ways of being and that yeah. there was other ways of um, 
just being a, a successful woman and 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 what as you were talking, I was like, when I think about it, the people that I love the most in terms of entertainment or watching, you know, that I really, really respect are people who are like change makers and people yeah. who shake things up. And our attraction to them is based upon um, you know, probably resonating with us deeply, the ability to do something different and to stand apart um, and it to be okay, more than okay, but fruitful in our lives, um, either financially um, and especially emotionally and mentally and seeing that other people are creating opportunities for themselves um, between that and like listening to podcasts, it started to actually make my job more unbearable because I was like, well, I, now I know other things are possible yeah. before you don't know it's like, you know, possible for you or that other people are doing it. It gets harder and harder um, to to deny um, if that's in which you're that what you're doing isn't really serving who you are now. And so I just, I, I love that aspect that that's very tactical Yeah. <laughs> as we talk about being and, and, and versus doing, but it's a very tactical approach to check in with what you're exposing yourself to. And if your environment is very one-sided in terms of, you know, values, perspective, and what look, success looks like, that's a, that's a low risk way to start to opening up and expanding your mind and, and giving yourself more opportunity. So that is so good. Um, so I really wanted to, 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 you know, also talk to you about how do you hold on to that and maintain it as you are, you know, still in a more traditional workspace? Um, because I know a lot of people are doing entrepreneurship and pushing that but people some people you know really like you said love their jobs and love the work that they do at their companies so how do you feel like you work to balance or are, are learning to balance that yeah yeah like balancing kind of yeah being and you know I, I currently work it's funny I'm saying all this stuff it's like you know technically I do work at a very stereotypically you know um <laughs> you know i work at facebook and it's like a job that like a lot of people would be shooting for and like i said people i'm in the financial mm -hmm. group and a lot of people do want to be um in fintech so i you know at least my path to some way in su to some extent in the tech industry is not like super untraditional but what i would say that i try to lean into is, is one like even just like the side projects and stuff that I do. So like I said, I do do mm -hmm. you know, coaching on the side and kind of the way that came to be was that during, you know, the pandemic after I was laid off um, mm -hmm. and around the time George Floyd was murdered. And that was on, also a big moment that forced me to kind of think differently because mm -hmm. when I was first laid off, my initial reaction was like, you know, even though I knew like, you know, sometimes you know something, but you don't really feel it. I knew that no one was going to judge me or anything like that, but I've always been right. a very high achieving person in life. I went to a very competitive, you know, private high school. I went to Yale University for undergrad and then I went to Google and, you know, I had all these like things on my resume that were, you know, extremely high achieving and then getting laid mm. off was one of those moments where I was like, oh my gosh, everyone's going to think I'm a failure now. And once again, I logically knew mm. that wouldn't be the case because people were getting laid off left and right around then. And I didn't look at any of those people look at them as a failure. But, you know, we oftentimes have different standards for ourselves. I'm like, I think they're Absolutely. not a failure, but they're going to think I'm a failure. You know, right, like, right, right, right. So anyway, <laughs> illogical, but that's just how it is. And you go through that sort of situation. But then George Floyd mm -hmm. was murdered about three weeks after I was laid off. And that was a moment where I was like, ooh, there's so much more that matters in life. 
than what I was focusing on at the time. What I was focusing on at the time, let me get, I need to get a job at a prestigious company so I can show them, you know, that they made mm. a mistake, you know, that I didn't need them or whatever. Um, and then he was murdered and the whole world, like, you know, basically, mm-hmm. you know, just changed, you know, and it's still mm. been changed since that, you know, since that right. moment. And it kind of reminded me that like other things matter and I have to think about Mm. what matters to me and, you know, really, you know, lean into that. So that's why I started kind of thinking about, okay, I know I want to start some sort of business that helps, you know, black women, especially, um, as well as other Mm -hmm. marginalized groups like that matters to me. And that's something that I feel like, you know, I can't change the whole prison industrial complex and, you know, issues of police brutality in this country, but I do have skills and knowledge I'd worked you know, in the tech industry. So I knew about, you know, and I'd worked with like startups and stuff like that. So I knew about, you know, the tactics of building businesses and generating business ideas and evaluating business ideas and all of that through like helping incubate startups within Google. So I was like, let me take this skill and think about how I can kind of help these communities. And I started ideating on it. And, you know, initially it was like, I was thinking about this being a venture capital backed like tech product. And then even that I had to take a step back. So a lot of I, mm. a lot of the reason I initially took that approach was that I was kind of once again drinking the, you know, leaning into the tech industry like hierarchy. Where like, you know, in addition to being like a product manager at Google or an engineer at Google or something, being like a really highly sought after position, another kind of way of doing it is like it's interesting. Entrepreneurship in the tech industry is very highly regarded but it's highly regarded in like a very specific way you need to be a tech founder Mm -hmm. who gets money from y combinator or Andreessen horowitz or you know whatever like there's a very Mm -hmm. specific vision of what that is as well and i was like i'm gonna go for that and then also at one point i had to take a step back and be like what do i really want because when you become like a tech i've raised vc funds tech founder it's right. like it's a grind you know you have people like giving you millions of dollars and they're not just giving you to that that money to you as charity they want that money back by 10x you know so you have to generate right. returns for them and they want to exit and they're involved now in your business and I was like well what my goal ultimate goal here is to help these communities be successful um that's my ultimate goal um I don't want to be mm. clouded by not to say there are ways to do that and not to say I would never be like a venture capital backed entrepreneur, but I was like, you know, in the way that I feel like I can do it the best right now is to do something where I have control over what's going on and to, you know, I don't need to reach a million people right now. I could reach, even if I just help, I don't know, like I've probably worked with, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred or something like that, maybe a hundred something people. Um, Some of this Mm -hmm. unofficial, some more official, so it's kind of hard to keep track. But I'm like, yeah, like I'm feel good about that. You know, so some of it's about really, you know, you can do it with like side businesses, really thinking about what you want to do. And, you know, I have started building out kind of like that longer term career plan. I feel like I'm not someone who leans into like, you know, what do I want to do in, you know, 10 years, you know. Um, But another thing I did learn through the life coaching was like some of the visualization stuff. There was an exercise mm-hmm. that in the wholehearted coaching program that they had us do, it was called like the future you exercise. And you would go in and it was mm. just like, you know, meditation visualization where you'd be like, okay, like imagine yourself in the future. Like what kind of clothes are you wearing? You know, what type of house, like let's walk through your house. What does it look like? You know, yes. what's like, what, you know, what kind of food do you eat? You know, just like not even like what the job is. I want to be the chief marketing officer. Like, no, like what's the essence of who you want to be? 
And I do kind of do some of my career planning based on that. I'm like, okay, if I want to be this, like, you know, one of the things I like imagine myself as is like, you know, someone living in, you know, the suburbs of Nairobi, like wearing like captains and hosting people and whatever, you know. So part of the exercise is figuring out what can you do in the short term that will allow you to, you know, to embody that a bit. So like I, you know, started hosting friends for dinner parties late last year, you know, so I'm like, okay, how can I start to like embody that, that energy? But then I do do career planning to some extent based on that. I'm like, okay, if I want to be this, this woman, like living globally in the world, who's fashionable and cool and hosts and does all these things, what can I do? Um, what kind of career will set me up? to get there you know like maybe I don't know maybe there's certain things that will not I don't know let's say if I all of a sudden became like very embedded in the Bay Area specific tech scene then it's like well then I can't be global if I'm like doing all this Bay Area Bay Area stuff like how do I make sure I'm in industries and on teams that are allowed that have a global presence that you know care about global communities and speak to global communities so I do do like I don't do like, okay, I want to be in this exact position because we all know we've gone through a pandemic. We've had all of our plans be wiped out in what felt like an instant. So I don't have like concrete plans, but I do start to think about what sort of life do I want to live? What kind of person do I want to be? And start to build career plans around that. So that's kind of how, at least with my full-time career as well, that I try to to um, start building. And yeah, I'm still building. It's not all the way there yet, you know? Um, so we'll see. Well, this has been really beautiful to, to listen to and to talk to you. Um, I feel like you dropped so many gems for people. Like I was uh, writing as you were speaking, just because I'm like, this stuff is, you know, it's um, externalizing uh, really some, some adaptable processes for people um, who are listening that they can do on their own, but also maybe consider some other opportunities for them to pursue everything from, you know, maybe investing in coaching for them personally. I'm a firm believer that one black woman, black people in general, um, and, um, could use coaching is so fruitful for us. And if we can get past the distrust and find somebody that we connect with that, um, has a process that, you know, is relevant to an area of our life that we feel like we want to focus on, then the, it can it can really expand us uh, and advance us faster and i've seen that with my clients and listening to your story i'm hearing yeah. that as well and um and the people that you've worked with um in your own coaching so i i think coaching is such an opportunity for us and it's something that other groups have been using for many 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 years yeah. and i think it's something that if we tap into it more i feel like more people are tapping yeah. into it because it's becoming more uh, socially acceptable to be like oh I'm hiring somebody or it's like even like it looks like better to be like oh I have a coach but yeah. um, my 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 hope and prayer is that people really see the benefit of having support to help you move forward and advance yourself in, in, in a unique way and um, I always like to end the podcast with yeah. one last question is how are you taking up space Vanessa yeah, I don't want to, I could be very long-winded, so I'll try to keep it <laughs> short. But I think for me, it's just about, and we didn't even really touch on this fully. We kind of talked mm-hmm. a lot about the introspection, but I also like to take some of this introspection, the understanding myself, the self-awareness, and I try to translate that in the way I show up at work in being authentic and asking for what I need, setting 
the boundaries um, as well, you know, as I was kind of thinking mm-hmm. about the podcast, because obviously you mentioned that this is a recurring question that, that comes up and from the episodes that listen yeah. to you, I also know it's a recurring question that comes up. And I was just thinking about, you know, this, this current job that I have is at Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, I went through the interview process. It could have been more grueling, but it was, you know, you have like 10 interviews over the course of however many weeks mm-hmm. and all these crazy, you know, I guess, at least virtual on-site days where you interview with like four hours. Right. It was a lot. Mm-hmm. So I remember I got to the end of it and they mm-hmm. were like, oh, um, we actually for- didn't get to evaluate this specific skill. So we want to do like more interviews. And I, you know, I remember asking a bunch of people, you know, cause I didn't want to do it. I was like, that's not fair to me. Mm-hmm. But like I went through, I did everything I US of me just because the team didn't ask the right question. That's like not on me. So I went and asked some people, I'm like, has this ever mm. happened to you? What did you do? And everyone was like, Vanessa, you just, you have to do it. You have to, you have to, you have to. And you know, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to not listen to anybody. So I guess this does relate a little hey. bit to, to knowing yourself. <laughs> and I yes. told the recruiter, I was like, I, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess you can always lean on the pandemic as a, as a, as a reason for why you don't. Like, I was like, we're in the, I mean, this is true. I was like, I just, I yeah. can't, I can't, I have to protect my own energy and set a boundary and say that I've gone through the interview process. And I, if you all need more interviews because you weren't able to evaluate me through all these hours of interviews I've already done, I will respectfully remove myself from the process. And right. they, like within, I don't know, let's say 20 minutes of me sending that, I got frantic calls, hiring manager, recruiter. Oh, we're so sorry. Wow. So I think, you know, so I think it's kind of related where it's like, you know, one, not to say I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't know if someone came to me with that same scenario, I don't know what I would recommend them to do. I don't know if I could in good conscience tell someone to do that because you just never know their own circumstance or situation. So I'm not saying do that. You know, this is not, you know, advice, (laughs) but it is about (laughs) knowing yourself knowing Mm. what matters to you and also not only knowing them for yourself and making your own decisions but also I try to communicate those things as much as I can it's easier said than done especially as black women in the workplace like as soon as you start communicating your needs or your troubles or whatever you can easily turn to angry black women and all of that but um, I think some of us fear that so much that we don't share our opinions. And there's been times that I've held back mm. and I was still called the angry black girl, you know, and not right. exactly in that way, but you know, I was told it in a roundabout way. And I was like, I was trying as hard to put on my like nice voice and to not be aggressive. Right. And to be accommodating. <laughs> so you have to, sometimes you're just like, you know, you have to know yourself, know your boundaries, know what you want. And then also the way I take a space is when I can, and it's not like I do this 24 seven. There are some days like every, any other person, I'm human that I just am tired and I just can't do it. And I do acquiesce or I don't say, but I try as much as I can to say what I need, communicate it, call out when I see that there's an injustice and, you know, just, just be open and honest. I mean, one more example I'll just give on that. Um, just because I think it's, you know, relevant to this audience. I know when I first started at Google, I was coming out of Mm -hmm. college and the college I went to, I was on the black student Alliance and I was with the vice president. It was a very, historically um, activist organization. So when I started at at Google, it was a few weeks after Michael Brown was killed. And I was Mm. coming with this college mindset of like, we got to protest, we got to do something. So I had another coworker friend of mine, we were both on the same page. And we were like, we're going to do some sort of demonstration in the office. We're going to do a diet, lay on the ground, 
and you know you lay on the, he was laid out on the, on the pavement without his body being you know taken somewhere Covered. or whatever mm-hmm, for yeah mm-hmm. hours you know and so we laid on the ground or we wanted to lay on the ground for the number of hours that he was was left there um wow. we, went, we even went to the black googler network our local chapter and said we want to do this 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 co-worker of mine was also a black woman and the black mm-hmm. googlers this is before when black lives matter was like basically like saying a dirty word in the office so we were like we're gonna like do this and the, the black googlers were not supportive it's funny now because mm. every company now is like giving out swag that says Black Lives Matter. But those of us who've been working for, I'm not even, <laughs> right, I'm not even girl. those of us who've been working for like more than three years know that this was right. not the case. So, exactly. you know, Black Googlers stormed out of the room. We should not be bringing this stuff to the office. And we were like, you know what? Wow. We're going to do this anyway. And we did it. And similar to, like I said, them doubling back when it came to that job offer, they like came and gave it to me, like, you know, desperately uh-huh. almost even though if right. my team listens to this, I appreciate it. Um, but, <laughs> you know, people loved, even though it's kind of weird to say people love the dying because obviously it's a very somber, terrible thing, but people respect right. it. People in the office, mm. like, were like, look at, like, all and all types of people, you know, all the diverse community in the office, everyone benefited from it. We ended up going and presenting it to all the, like, most senior leaders in our office. Like it went, wow. it went over super duper well. So don't, that's why I, you know, I bring that example up just to say that, yeah, people, once again, going back to like, don't listen to people, not to say some people have, you know, you should, you could listen to advice, but don't always just like take it. You have to know what is for you. And sometimes you just have to go for it and take up space. And people oftentimes I find respect you for it. They look at you as a leader. They look up to you for like, even you, once again, going back to the example of you saying, Hey, I'm going to go do this thing for me to be an entrepreneur. Clearly your boss respected it. And we're all always scared to like, say what we're, we want, say what matters to us. And mm. I feel people respect that. So that's what I would say is that I always try to, and once again, I don't, I can't always do it. Not every day. Cause it is tough, but it's something that I would definitely recommend for people to do is when you can just express yourself don't be worried about the negative stereotypes and just say what you got to say and let people know what you stand for oh that's so good I'm I'm not gonna try to make this extra long because that was that was (laughs) that was crazy I love I love this so much listening to you I'm like you're so right because boldness um breeds respect you're so right you're so right in that and really letting go of the need to be liked and the need to be respected because that that really gives you access to what you value and it's like no I don't really need you to be in agreement with me I need you to respect me and that distinction literally makes a lot of things clearer um, for for people in general so and expressing yourself I love that that's how you have been able to take up space and it just sounds like you being willing and open to um, advice and uh, other people's wisdom. But if you have to have such a core sense of identity and um, self-awareness for you to be able to distinguish what is um, worth following for you, um, because you're the only you that's ever gonna exist. And so (laughs) it's good to know that. Where can people find you, Vanessa, if they wanna learn more or connect with you beyond listening to this episode? Yeah, so I would say um, definitely feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. Um, I think the LinkedIn URL is like linkedin.com slash, you know, Vanessa Williams 218. That's, I think, my URL there. Um, Hopefully you can also look around and follow me. And then also, like I said, I do do coaching. So the URL Mm -hmm. for my coaching is lean on coaching. 
teachable.com right now it's like a teachable course that people can take where I basically bottled up a lot of this wisdom and a lot of my job search tactics and I put it out there for people to be able to just take it as a like as if they're studying you know six six modules six lessons um of, of learnings from my journey to this point so yeah those are probably the top two ways well thank you for being here um thank you guys for listening um feel free i believe you can now leave um audio um comments or and feedback so please do that because i think everybody's gonna love this episode but i'm excited for you to hear this and to continue to grow and take up space Thank you for listening. Thank you for having me.